0: My next guest is a former pro bowl offensive lineman in the NFL. And he's the executive director of the Wade Smith Foundation. Please welcome Wade Smith. Wade, how's it going?
1: I'm doing good, man. I appreciate you having me on the podcast.
0: Great. Yep. And appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot, man.
1: Um, no, no question. It's uh, um, have a, a, a great working relationship that we have, of course, because, you know, be, you being a board member with the Waysmith Foundation. And so anytime I can help out with anything you have going on, you know, I'm there for because you've done a lot to support uh, the Waysmith Foundation personally over the years. So for sure.
0: Hey, I appreciate that. Appreciate those kind of words. So with that, let's jump right into it. What do you do? What do I do? <laughs>
1: well, if we're, if we're talking about the Wadesmith Foundation, because there's a lot of aspects of the stuff that I have going on, but if we're just speaking strictly about the Waysmith Foundation, you know, I'm the executive director of the Waysmith Foundation, founder. It's been in existence since 2012, it's 2020 now. It's been eight years. It's crazy to think about. It, it doesn't seem like wow. it was that long ago. But when I was a member of the Houston Texans in 2012, I wanted to basically start giving back in the community in a way that I knew was absolutely needed and something that I was passionate about myself. And what I was passionate about myself is just reading, education, literacy in general. And so I wanted to make sure that when I gave back to the community, gave back to some of the places that allowed me to become the man I am and, and make it as far as I've been able to, to make it, I wanted to make sure it was something that I truly loved and truly knew would make an impact. And so um, starting in 2012, we've had our downs and our ups And I say first downs and then ups because it was rough going early on. Early on, a lot of the funding for the and Foundation came from me directly. It came from me, just personal funds to keep it afloat or keep it viable so I could keep giving back to community. But as time went on and as we figured out the best way to go about getting people excited about it and getting donors wanting to be a part of it, um, now we're generating revenues to where we can fund our programming without me putting my own money into it. The money I put into it is is out of what I want to do and not out of what I need to do. Right. And so a lot of that has to do with just acquiring acquisition of various board members, including yourself, to help with that aspect. And it has to do with having advocates in the communities to go out there and help with fundraising and just go out there and speaking about the brand of the Waysmith Foundation and the impact that we have, kind of the grassroots impact we have in various communities. And so um, that's where we stand now. And so what I do is I help cultivate all of this, whether it's when when we do our breeding program, when we're doing activations at elementary schools throughout Houston and Dallas where I'm from, from the idea to the execution everything that has to do with it you know i'm heavily involved i'm the face of the organization but i'm also the one that has my my hands in all the pot it's not something that i just put my name on and then let other people do the work i've had a lot of people um, that have helped me throughout the process that some were on staff some were board members some were volunteers but it's always been something that i was very hands-on with because it was very important to me that i made sure that any dollar that comes to the wastemans foundation that it's getting to those that need it the most and, and I want people to understand and know that when money goes to the Waysmith Foundation, the CEO, the the president, the person that has his face on it is doing everything he can to make sure that it's going to those that need it the most and, and that's the kids and that's and their education is, is absolutely key and you know, we just try to bridge a gap. And so what I do is extensive. It has to do with putting events together, planning, it has to do with creating an idea, fundraising, going out there. And things are changed now because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Right. But, you know, a lot of the going out to lunches and dinners and, and various events and various happy hours, whatever it may be, just to be around the right people so that they can learn about the Waysmith Foundation and so that they can be a part of it, whether it's, like I said, whether it's investing their time or investing their money, a lot of that stuff has kind of been put on hold because yeah. most of this time we've been on staring home orders and 25% capacity at, at restaurants and stuff. So it's kind of a weird time right now. But yeah, I mean, it, it's very much wide ranging. And it's, it's a 24 seven type deal, like wake up in the middle of the night, like, Oh, yeah, I need to make sure I do that. Or it's first thing oh. in the morning or go to sleep. It's not really a clock in clock out. thing. Just like anybody that is an entrepreneur, anybody that that owns a business or has a business, they understand that it's not something that you have set hours. It's something that is very much free-flowing and time-consuming. But anytime you're doing something you love and you're passionate about, you don't even look at it that way. like It's time-consuming. This is what is required in order for it to be a success. And put in a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of, you know, blood, sweat, and tears to make it to where it's successful. And so, and I've had a a bunch of help along the way, but I'm kind of the catalyst behind everything that goes on with the Waysmith Foundation.
0: Yeah. And you you are the face of the organization, like you said, but at the same time, everyone can see that you're definitely hands-on and can see your passion that you have about everything that you do. Now, talking about the foundation, let's talk about what the foundation does, some of the events that it does, some of the programs that it does for the community.
1: So I'll start with our programming. Our two major programs are our Smitty Scholarship Program and our Reading with the Pros program. So our Smitty Scholarship Program is where we will give scholarships to outgoing seniors here in Houston and also in Dallas, where I'm from. And we've given out close to right around $200,000 in scholarships since 2012. And as RJ knows now, like RJ is now on the review board for our scholarship program. And then we just did a, a whole new set of reviews recently. And so, you know, we'll have 20 finalists that will get word that they're finalists in the committee Scholarship Program in partnership with the Positive Coaching Alliance. And so we'll be doing Zoom interviews. Not <laughs> normally, normally normally we'll be in a boardroom and it'll be the finalists and it'll be like six or seven people on a panel there that are asking them questions and getting a feel for who they are, their character, and just the type of students they are, and and what we kind of project them to be going forward. And then we do a a scholarship dinner, or or usually it's a brunch that we'll have with them. And i go from there. But since, of course, the coronavirus, we'll be doing this by Zoom. But I get excited about that, and you'll be able to see it firsthand. I get like, these are some really talented kids. It makes me feel like when I was a kid, when I was in high school, I was a flacker. (laughs) (laughs) We see all the community service, what they're doing. These kids got 4.0s and, yeah. you know, they're playing multiple sports. Like, time management is a, a huge factor in in some of these kids' successes, and that was something that I severely lacked when I was a <laughs> kid. But, you know, we've got kids with the Waysmith Foundation or Smitty so Scholars that are all over the country, man. Georgia Tech, UT, Syracuse. You name a, a college or a state, and we got a kid there that has helped benefit from the Westminster Foundation, U of H. And we've been doing it so long now that we've had kids that have graduated, that have engineering degrees, that are, awesome. are out doing big things on their own. So it's it's cool to see, to go into a high school and taking a picture with a kid when he's a senior, knowing that he's got a scholarship to help him throughout his college travels, and then be able to stick with them throughout their journeys, and then yeah. them graduate and moving forward in life and so a big thing was with me the reason why i wanted to do the scholarship program is i knew first and foremost that when i was in high school um without my athletic scholarship i would have had to go into at best community college because we didn't have the money for me to go to a university and i was a good student i wasn't a great student but i was a really good student mm-hmm. and i was when i said i was a really good student you know, I was an A student my 10th, 11th, and 12th grade years, but in ninth grade, being smart isn't necessarily the coolest thing. You know, I just did enough to get by. And so I would have graduated with honors, but because of ninth grade and me not knowing that because the ninth grade I went to was at a different school than the high school. So me being green and not knowing any better, ninth grade, I didn't realize it counted towards my my GPA when I was going to graduate. And so I, I think I graduated with an eighty nine percent to GPA. Oh, wow. so i was like you know half a point away from graduating with honors but that i you go back to my freshman year where i was slacking mm-hmm. but without my athletic scholarship i wouldn't have been able to go to school And so i know there's a lot of kids out there that um, play sports a lot of kids that need help to bridge that gap and they're good students and they're not going to get a full academic ride somewhere so you know our scholarship is academics based and it's need based and so it's, it's, it's merit based and it's, it's need based. So we've been doing that for a while now and it's been an excellent journey just to, to see the amount of kids that we've been able to reach out to and help along their career paths and let them you know blossom to become big time. One of our students is out in California now and she's working in the movie industry out there. It's, it's crazy. Some of the emails that I get from some of the students that have participated in, in the Smitty Scholarship Program just seeing where they are in life. And each year we give out a minimum of $20,000 a year. And I say minimum because some series is 25, some years is 30 just based off of the funding that we receive. And so we usually are able to award scholarships to five to 10 kids each and every year. And so that's that program. And then we have our Reading with the Pros program. And our Reading with the Pros program is where I'll get myself current and former NFL players. I'll get professionals in all different walks of life, whether it's a TV reporter, it's a, it's a firefighter, it's a, it's a financial advisor, it's a, a business owner, it's a city councilman. It is a DJ, radio disc jockey, whatever it may be, a professional in all different realms. And we talk, we go to elementary, elementary schools and talk to them about the importance of reading and literacy in their education. That's been an awesome program. Like I said, it started since 2012 and we've gone to, Somewhere around 75 elementary schools to this wow. point, and we've reached over 60,000 students to this point. And we've taken Reading with the Pros to the Super Bowl, so it's this Reading with the Pros has been in, in San Francisco, it's been in in New York, we did in Arizona because Jordan Sparks was there. Jordan Sparks, the no air Jordan Sparks, she came to Reading with the Pros and sung to, to the students, and so. Um, We've had some some really cool experiences over the years, and we've had a lot of really cool people, and and, and a lot of times people ask me about Reading with the Pros, and it's like, oh, that's where you get all the athletes and celebrities together. And we've had a ton of athletes and celebrities participate in Reading with the Pros, but we've had a lot of people that, you know, that you might not know from having a blue check on Twitter, but these are heavily influential people here in Houston and all over this country that have participated in it because they understand the importance of education. They understand the importance of literacy. And so we just try to communicate that with the kids. You know, there's a lot of kids out there that struggle with reading. And that is something that is difficult for them to do because maybe they have a learning disability. Maybe English is their second language. Uh, maybe it's just something they don't find interesting. And so I always talk to the kids and tell them like the great thing about literacy in books is it's like, listen, there's something that you're interested in and whatever you're interested in, whether it's shoes, whether it's cars, money, sports, whether it's video games, whatever it may be, there's something that you're interested in. They have books about that particular thing. And I always encourage kids to read about things that you enjoy, things that you enjoy doing yourself to read and learn about them. And it expands your mind and opens yourself to so many different opportunities. And so... It's been cool. We've been able to do offshoots of that where we had a Read All the Weight contests where we have multiple schools yeah. throughout Houston that have reading contests. And, you know, the winner of the contest gets Kindle devices for each one of the classrooms at the elementary school. And we get, they get T-shirts, they get a, a pizza party and celebration. We come back out to the schools and they last usually over a three, four or five month period. It's varied over the years. We actually had one going on this spring that had to get cut short because of the coronavirus. And so now we're in the process of trying to ramp that back up as school comes back, but that's gonna look different because a lot of the gonna be virtual. A lot of schools gonna be online. So there's a lot going on with those programs, but I, I thoroughly enjoy them because those programs, you're getting to kids at a very young impressionable age. When a kid sees someone that they see on television or that plays for their favorite team, or does something that they want to do. And that's why I have a variety of different people on the panel. we talk to the kids, we do an assembly with the kids in, in, in the cafeteria with the third, fourth and fifth graders and sometimes sixth graders. And we'll have a variety of people on the stage so that every kid in the crowd can see somebody on that stage that they identify with and they be like, that, that they would want to be like. And they yeah. say, this person did it, I can do it too. Because that's the message that we convey as readers, as pros, that come to reading with the pros and come to the elementary schools. And so, yeah, man, it's a cool deal because you will come across students that maybe spoke to them when they were in the second or third grade and now they're in the seventh grade and it it could be a random moment. You know, I live here in Houston. I could be, I was at, where was I at? I was at and we were doing a backpack giveaway part of the Westminster Foundation and YWCA. We're doing a backpack giveaway because a lot of kids lost, because of flooding, they lost their school supplies and all that type of stuff. Were You were were there, RJ, weren't you? Yep. So RJ, you there. So we did that backpack giveaway and there's a teacher named Renee Glasscock that was like a, she's an excellent teacher here in Houston that's very much about literacy and about helping kids. And this kid was in her class, I want to say it was three years prior to that. So like she was a Third grade teacher, I want to say, mm. this kid was probably in the sixth grade at the time, and he was like, Mister Mister Wade, like, you know. And so they, it's cool because they'll recognize me, they'll remember me. I remember when you came to my school and talked to me about reading, and I'll ask them questions, and they'll repeat back to me some of the stuff that they learned while they were at the assembly. So that lets you know that it it took root, it took hold, and so they're doing great, and so. Yeah it just takes one kid to kind of validate what you do, but, but when it's multiple, it, it gives you that energy to keep pushing and keep pushing. It's not just the kids. It's, it's administrators, it's teachers, it's, it's former teachers that I went to a school that now are principal now and they say, Hey, I need you to come to my school yep. because these kids need to hear your message. If I, program, I, I would definitely say reading with, reading with the pros, but it's, um, it's, it, it, it's a cool where they, we go to a school. We're there for usually 60 minutes to 90. It's supposed to be 60. I usually am you know, there for an hour and a half because I don't like leaving. But mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk to kids about the importance of reading during an assembly. And then we'll break off and read to the younger kids, the kindergartners, first, second graders, um, and go to their individual classroom and read to them in, in groups. And so those are the two main programs with, yeah. with the Wayland Foundation. We also have had Smitty's Day Park. Which is an event that we do. We have fundraisers like Bulls and Blackjack and and um, bedtime stories. Yep. There's different fundraisers that we do, but yeah, that's that's kind of the two major programs of the Ways and fund Foundation.
0: So, you have the 60,000 kids that you reach in the Speeding uh, with the Pros, all the kids that you're reaching with the uh, Smitty Scholars, the backpack giveaways, the youth camps that you mentioned and clinics, and you've been partnering with the Wyatt. All these things that you've done and all these kids that you've touched over the years, you're doing this for eight years. You ever just sit back and just thought about how many people you've reached out to and impacted, and probably not, not just their lives, but you know, their siblings' lives, maybe their friends' lives too. It could be for generations. So just the amount of people that you've impacted. Have you ever just sat back and thought about that?
1: No, not until, not until you were just kind of putting it. That <laughs> way. I never, I really didn't sit back and think it that way. I'm always kind of think about who have I not reached yet. We try to go to varying elementary schools around the city. We've gone to some elementary schools more than once. A lot of times, if you're part of the Read All the Way contest, I'll make multiple visits to each school that's participating just to let the kids know that I'm still gonna be around this half a year that we're doing this contest together, I'm keeping up with them. and But when we do one-off events, we try to go to a variety of, of different schools. And 99% of the schools that we go to are Title I schools. And so these are schools that there is a, a need there and we try to bridge that gap for just the, the various lack of opportunities that are in these areas. Of the city, so we try to to get all over. But no, I really haven't just sat back and looked at it that way. It's it's hard to kind of imagine and fathom that it's been that many kids over the years. Yeah, but you know the need is going to never go away. Yeah. There's there's never gonna be a day where every single kid. I mean, that would be amazing. But if every single kid um was getting their needs met and right. they had to all of the same opportunities that Every other kid has in this country. Unfortunately, it's just it's not set up to be that way, and it won't. That's talking about a paradise or a perfect land. Yeah. And that's just not realistic. So I'm always trying to make sure that I'm gonna keep chopping wood and keep trying to fight the good fight day in and day out. Yeah. And reach as many kids as possible because you know a lot of times when I'm talking to the kids, I challenge them. A lot of times the kids schools that I go to, there's kids that have parents that might work multiple jobs or parents that might not work at all. They might have parents that don't speak English as a first language. They might have parents that have issues with drug and alcohol abuse. And so the parenting is not consistent as what you would want it to be. And so I always try to encourage the older kids in the school to be leaders and to, to read to their younger brothers and sisters not just for the younger brothers and sisters, but for themselves, because practice makes perfect. The more you're reading to your little brother or sister, the more it's gonna help you yourself. Sometimes you have to be a self-starter and you can't expect somebody else to do the things they're supposed to do. At the end of the day, don't allow allow somebody else's bad decisions become yours. You don't have to do that. You You can take control of your own way. And so that takes work, that takes constant fight and struggle because there's always going to be struggle there. And so, you know, I haven't really just sat back and you know, I kind of look at it like it's more work to be done. It's more, it's more schools to go to it. And I'm, I don't want to say I'm nervous, but I'm, I'm a little concerned about having that ability to get in front of students due to the coronavirus. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that is it's kind of up in air. It's kind of in limbo. But, you know, any kind of adversity, it's just my mentality, any kind of adversity, any kind of thing that kind of comes in my path, I just look at it as a challenge and try to figure out a way around it in a way, in a way to still get the job done. Cause that, you know, I tell my kids all the time, nothing worth having in life comes easy. Right? Absolutely nothing. And I, I have yet to find the thing that I did in my life or accomplished in my life that I was really proud of and really happy about and really brought me joy that didn't come with hard work or didn't come with, with, with failure, didn't come with adversity. And so this is no different. And so. Hopefully we'll be in the schools this year, but if not, we'll figure out a way. And, and eventually, you know, once there's a vaccine and all that type of stuff, I think things will get back to normal. But I guess that's something I need to do every now and again, just to sit back and think about all the different kids that, you, that you've that you been able to reach out to and, and the impact that that they are going to make going forward. Because like yeah. I said, I challenge those to to look out for one another and to be leaders and to impact other people in a positive way. And when they make it, to make sure they're reaching back to help somebody else like I'm doing now.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I I think, you know, that same drive and mentality and uh, everything you use to to become that Pro Bowl player that you were is the same skills and characteristics that you have in you. That's helping you to do what you're doing now. And I think it's good to sometimes just kind of sit back and, And smell the coffee, or smell the roses, and see all that the the good that you have done. But no, it's great that you have like all these Smitty Scholars that you're talking about that are all over the nation, and the emails that they send you from the reading with the pros. I know the principals and the librarians that have reached out to you and told you about the change that, that that's happened in their schools. You go to these free youth camps that you're giving to these kids, where you're having professional and former professional players teaching them. You have the same thing with cheerleaders teaching. You have the musicians, everything, and it's. And all they have to do is read, making sure that they read. Uh, programs you have are amazing. And the impact that you're doing to the community is, is definitely needed. And you can see the impact you have made. Yeah, man. I appreciate you. that. And,
1: and that's that's just, like I said, there's always work to be done. But a lot of times I'm proud of kind of when you have an idea and have it, then you see it come to fruition. Yeah. You see the impact that it's having on kids. Like You, you mentioned this Smitty's Day at the Park where... It's like, it started off where I was doing football camps. When I, was, when I first started the Wasted Foundation, we did a football camp in 2012, 13, 14, 15. And, and I love football. That's, that's the thing that's probably I'm most passionate about in life. And so, you know, teaching kids the game of football and then football and cheer. You know, I'm a dad of four daughters I'm gonna make sure I'm looking out um, for for them. But we, had, we have girls that participate in the football camp. We have, you know, girls that, um, as athletes that we have at the camps or the little girls. But like, when you think about it, it's like that's that's kind of, it's, it's one dimensional. It's it's football and it's cheer. Not everybody wants to participate in that sport, but music, yeah. art, literacy, now you're opening up, um, you're opening up the, the amount of kids and then a diverse, a more diverse group of kids, a diverse sampling of kids that can participate in these camps. And then you also, for those kids that are there just for the football, you know, they have the ability to also go to a football camp and then have a literacy or music or art component as well. And so now you're you're, you're building more well-rounded students and well-rounded people. Yeah. And so, yeah, and like I said, all of these events, it takes, it takes a tremendous amount of people and an investment of time and effort and, and talents to make these things come off. But they come off well, and the kids that participate in them enjoy them. And like you mentioned it earlier, the principals and the teachers and parents that reach out to you and, and send you emails or send you letters. And, you know, I, I, if I pan this thing to the left, like I have a whole wall with All Ways to the Foundation stuff on there where it's various letters and stuff from kids that- nice. have have written to me and, you know, I have them in my emails and plaques and just all different types of stuff from all over the city, all over the state, all over the country, really, of kids being appreciative of of our efforts with the Lucian's Foundation.
0: Nice. That's great. So let's talk about you being executive director of the foundation, a typical day of yours. You know, you talked about some of the things that you're doing, like the fundraising and overseeing basically everything that's going on with the foundation. But can you talk about a a typical day of yours?
1: I'll give an example of a typical day pre-COVID because right now it's a little different. (laughs) Um, But but pre-COVID, and it depends on what's going on. If we're in the midst of program activations, it's a little different. If we're in the midst of planning a fundraiser, it's a little different. But if it's something... Let's just give an example if we're we're in the middle of a, a program. We're doing Reading with the Pros with various schools around the city. It's putting together itineraries, to sent out to elementary schools to let them know when we're going to be arriving, what we'll need when we we'll get there, the various readers that are going to be participating in the event. So they know because if we, we normally for Reading with the Pros, we'll have six to eight readers there. And so based off of that, the teachers can distribute the amount of students that will be in each group so they can be in front of one of the readers that are there but it's you know it's putting itineraries together it's answering questions that they may have about the event actually putting the events into play activating them going to i'm the one holding the mic um, i'm the MC. i guess when, when we're, we're activating the events and then putting the event on if it's something to where it's like i'm emailing back and forth between our various partners that are participating in an event maybe it's the half price bookstore because we're doing a reading corner vacation at a school. Where we're donating books, a thousand books, and along with a chair, a cardboard cutout from when I played for the Texans, scored a touchdown. We have reading corners that are dedicated all over this city and all over Dallas as well, various elementary schools that have read corners in them. This is a dedicated area in a, in a library and one of the schools that we visit, and, and we, we provide them with books. And in some schools that we go to where We might be there for reading with the pros, go into their library, see that they have a severe lack of books. And so we change that through donations from private citizens, from donations from House Path Price bookstores. And we'll turn a barren library into a full library that kids can utilize and and take part in. And so, um, I mean, there's a lot of behind the scenes works that go into that. Like I kind of look at my day to day as an executive director is like practice for when I played in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to, you did everything Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to get you prepared for game day for on team. Sunday. Yeah. And so all the stuff that gets done behind the scene just to be prepared for game day, which is when I'm actually in front of the kids and talking to them about the importance of reading yeah. and the importance of the education. And that's game day to me. And just like it was when I played in the NFL, that was the fun time. That was beautiful. And you, and to, to do this, you have to be able to enjoy the process and understand that there's sometimes you're having conversations with people that, you know, that might be a fundraiser, but you know, they really don't care about what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. What they care about is just being around you because of who you are or what that might do for them, how it might look for them if they were to donate to your cause. And that might be something internally that I might be kind of, you know, frustrated about because I want, I want people to be as passionate about what I'm passionate about. I want them to feel the same way I feel about it, but people aren't. People have their own reasons why they do things. But understanding at the end of the day, this conversation that I have with someone or this dinner that I have with someone or this opportunity that I might take part in will create opportunities for kids. And that's the end game. And that's the, the most important thing. And so... It's very wide ranging, the day of an executive director because yeah. you, you're part of everything. You're part of what's put on social media. You're part on what's put on the website. You're part of you're part of everything. Anything that you yeah. see with Ways Foundation related, whether it's a T-shirt, whether it's a whether it's a hoodie, whether it's the books that get distributed to schools, every single part of it, I'm involved in some way, shape, or form. And some things are more than others, but everything that goes on with the foundation, I have my hands in.
0: Wow, yes, yeah, so definitely you wear many hats, it seems like, as, a, as an executive director. Now, for the skill sets, it seems like multitasking, public speaking, communication, being sort of like a project manager. But what would you say, what type of skill sets or characteristics would you say are most important to be successful executive director of foundation?
1: Um, I think you have to be organized. I think you have to really care and, and be passionate about what you're trying to do. When I talked to you earlier about that feeling that you get or when a kid walks up to you and says like, hey, I remember when you came to my school a few years ago and that feeling that it puts inside of me, I want to share that feeling with the world. And once you want them to understand that, understanding that people aren't going to feel the same way about that. So being able to deal with people telling, you no, or not being excited about as excited about it as, as you are, but keep on plugging, make sure that you're making strategic partnerships with people to have synergy with what you're doing and have a like-minded idea of, of how they can make a difference and inspire change in the community. I think that's, it's a really important aspect to have making sure you're surrounding yourself with people that, have different skill sets as you, that have a different way of looking at how to get something done. Having people around you that aren't yes men or yes women. You know what I mean? Having people around that might challenge what you have to say. I think that's important. I think it's important that you have a wide variety of influences. But at the end of the day, that the the ultimate decision is gonna come down to you or it's gonna come down to a board vote. And you're gonna have to, to move forward with whatever comes with that, or you're gonna have to be able to make a, a decision that's in the best interest of the of of the kids and the Waysman Foundation. So there's a lot to it, mm-hmm. but for sure you have to be passionate about it and you have to understand that there is no finish line. You have to understand that and recognize that and still keep going forward and keep mm-hmm. chopping wood because the finish line, there is no pro you know there's no definitive finish line there's a lot of people and a lot of kids that you're impacted in a positive way along that journey and you're not going to know your impact that's something i'll never know fully grasp my impact and the way foundation's impact understanding that and still going forward and understanding that you're doing you know you're doing good work you're you're doing you're doing something that is going to impact people and impact young people for a long long time and just keep on pushing. It. You have to be versatile. You have to be tenacious. You have to be passionate about what you do.
0: That's Great. Now, now you answered this, but want to see if there's anything different that you say. But what do you love about what you do?
1: Um, what do I love about what I do. I, I mean, I love the impact. I love. Seeing kids when I'm talking to them about the importance of reading and relating it back to some of my experiences as a kid and you kind of see that light go off and that aha moment, like, oh, okay. Like seeing kids get excited when I tell them the coolest kids are nerds, yeah. <laughs> like the ones that read all the time, like you see the kids in the crowd that, and in some of the schools I go to it's not the best of environments. And so being smart being intelligent reading is not something sometimes it's frowned upon but seeing someone like me you know in their eyes saying no this is cool to do this to yeah. be a boss be able to own your own business or just have that type of mentality when kids see that you can see that confidence coming to them
0: and
1: yeah you know that like that's what it's all about that to me that's those moments those feelings and seeing them progress seeing them do well hearing the stories from the teachers Afterwards, telling you, hey, my kids have been so excited about reading since y'all came. There's been a, a marked change into just the type of work that they do in class, how attentive they are, how, how much they, they are enjoying, as, a, as opposed to dreading what they have to do in the classroom. To me, if, if I can change your mindset, your mentality, when it comes to education and literacy, reading books... I know it's gonna last you a lifetime. And so, and then, I mean, that's the job well done moment when you know that you've kind of changed the way somebody is looks at something, whether it's them being validated for what they've already been doing, or whether it's giving them the confidence to be who they truly wanna be, or it's having somebody that was going the wrong way, deciding, well, it is okay to do things the right way. Because these people up there, like, if, if, if I see Bun B, on the stage and he's an OG, one of the greatest rappers of all time in the, the city of Houston. And he's telling me about how he's a professor at a university and he's having a conversation. And you know, Bun is one of the most articulate dudes that I've ever been around. And the kids have to be like, I mean, this is the dude that they did one day in,
0: in murder. <laughs> like,
1: talking like, this, like crazy. But that is, that is, I mean, Paul Wall, like all these different yep. people that, um, kids hear on the radio and see on the videos and talking intelligently and articulately about education and reading it changed the way they approach things it. It the way they look at life in general they look at things around them and say hey, it doesn't necessarily you don't have to be this way yeah. and they they were able to come out of a the situation themselves and become successful so why can't I? um to me that's what it's all about everything that everything that that you have to put into the pot to make those moments happen. It's all worth, and every time, and it happens so often, that, like I said, it just gives you more fuel to keep going, to keep pushing forward, to keep trying to find kids that haven't heard of the Waysmith Foundation or haven't had a visit from the Waysmith Foundation or or found or heard anything about our appreciation for literacy and education. Nice.
0: Now, what about the flip side of it, though? What type of challenges are, are out there for you?
1: Um, kind of touched on it a little bit. Just a lot of times you might have to have interactions and conversations with people that could really give a damn about what you have going on. Mm. You might have to put yourself in situations that you otherwise might not want to be in if you had, if you had your choice.
0: Yeah.
1: To me, I'm a type of person that whatever it takes to get it done, I'm willing to do but sometimes people might want to take advantage of that and so it's just dealing with people that don't have the best intentions yeah. i think that's that's one big thing a lot of times dealing with the school system mm-hmm. and some of the red tape and dealing with some of the some of the stuff that you see going on in school districts are it's very disappointing it's very sometimes uh, discouraging some of the decision making that goes on in, in the, sit- the schools that you see in certain conditions this is not conducive to learning and so you know when you see that sometimes it can be a little concerning or discouraging but i think every single school that i've gone to the great thing is that there's a lot of really passionate teachers there's a lot of really passionate administrators appreciative parents despite whatever conditions the schools might be in A lot of times the people that are in those schools are great and excellent. So when you have that, you know that you can overcome any kind of circumstance that surrounds you. But yeah, I mean, starting off, it was a huge deal that we were doing events back in the day, back when the Wastants Foundation first started, and we could not have an event in the black. Every event was in the red. Every event was trying to figure out what people wanted to be a part of, getting close to and near to the right type of people that would allow you to generate revenue so that you can give back to kids. Like I said, back in the early days, it was heavily supplemented by my personal income, but probably around the year 2015, 16, it switched into where now, you know, every event, we're in the black. And this is without me having to put money into it. That's that side of it, dealing with the financial aspect of it and the budgeting and all that type of stuff end of the day, that's, it's a necessary evil, but at the end of the day, I want to spread a message to kids. And so there's always that technical administrative a- aspect that you have to do if you're going to run any kind of business or a 501 right. Um But like I said, I, I liken that all of this stuff that goes around to it to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday through Saturday in a week to get yourself ready for game days. And game days are when we have events. Game days is when we have activations at elementary schools. Game days is when we get to present scholarships to, to outgoing seniors in Houston. Like, those are all my game days. But everything else you come across to get to that point, a lot of times those are, there are situations that sometimes things happen that shouldn't. I mean, it, it's, and a lot of times it has to do with people. Like, some people are not best of people. And a lot of times as the face of the organization, I can't react in ways that a normal person might react. You know what I mean? I've had instances where... You had to deal with people talking to you in a in a derogatory fashion just because, well, I can't really reason why they would do it, but they just do it. And you can't respond in a way that you might normally respond if I was Wade Smith that just grew up in Dallas and was working at, at an accounting firm. I'm the face of an organization that has a substantial positive reputation wherever it goes. Right. So there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that, and that's understandable and I get it, but- At the same time, there's sometimes there's there's difficulties that you come across because of it. Hmm.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, so with that, I know you mentioned that you surround yourself with people with different skill sets. But when you first started, you know, you talk about all these things that you do from coming up from the itinerary for things, but being over the budget and all these things, all these different hats you're wearing. How did you start this from the beginning? Did you have a mentor that helped you, like hold your hand, kind of and helped you with it? Or did you surround yourself from the beginning that had these people with different skill sets? Or was it just you just falling flat in your face at, at times, doing it by yourself, and then learning from it, learning from those mistakes?
1: So it was it was a lot of trial and error early on. I did have people around me, people that were on staff that helped build the website and help file for the 501c3. And- up with a lot of the PR aspects of the foundation, but having a mentor, mm. um, I did not. I did not have a mentor at the time. I did have a board. The board wasn't as diverse as it eventually became to what it is now. But it was just growing pains of, I think any kind of. If you just look at any kind of business or business art, if you start something and you really don't know a lot of the technical aspects of it, you're gonna trip and fall. You're gonna stumble here yeah. and there. You can have to growing things. But the, the most important thing is, if you're passionate about something, and you have the wherewithal and the stick to itness of it, you know, eventually you can turn the corner and make it happen. And and if you if you can learn from your mistakes, that's a big thing. Like if you if you can make the same mistakes over and over again and you don't learn anything from them, um, it's very difficult to have any kind of success in anything. So, you know, being able to learn from my mistakes that was important, and us as a foundation, learning from mistakes. And, and continuing continuing to build on the things that we did correctly and going from there. But I think that the most important thing is people when they talk to me, we, people when they're at any of our events, they understand that the people are there. It starts with me, but that's the volunteers, that's the, every any, any police officer that might be there to help, um, to help with security or whatever, or, or any vendor that's there, everybody that's there you can tell they care and they want to see kids do well. They yeah. want to see them in life. Yeah. And so if you're somebody that participates in any of these events or any of these activations in, in, or any of these programs, and you can feel that, you're going to want to continue to be a part of that. And you're going to tell other people about that. And people are going to know and say, well, I want that same feeling too. And so that's allowed us to sustain and to grow. As, as
0: time's gone on. Nice. So do you have a most memorable moment?
1: Mm, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> the most memorable moment. There's a lot of moments. Yeah, man, I think I think to, going back to my elementary school that I went to as a kid, mm. the first time doing that, yeah. was a surreal experience because that play helped make me who I am. And so yeah. for me to be able to go back there, and I think I went back four or five years in a row, but the first time going back there, walking in the same hallways, being in the same cafeteria that I ate in and, and took pictures, <laughs> took family pictures in, which is kind of weird, but we would go to school, my mom and my sister take family pictures in, I think it was through Sears or JCPenney's or something like that, I don't know. But my mom would know. <laughs> we would take pictures in that same cafeteria and I'm, I'm talking to kids about the importance of reading. And how cool it is and being able to have a conversation with those kids mentioning names of streets that they live on and apartment complexes that they live in and saying yeah I came from those same places and I'm where I am now and you can too and whatever that may be so those situations every, every time coming back to that elementary school my own elementary school school where I, I went from reading to a first grader and going back that fifth year and those kids are in sixth grade getting ready to go to middle school yeah. and being able to have a conversation with a group of about 20 kids because they had to you know they do like in elementary school they do like the uh the birds and the bees like sex talk that they yeah. do one of the days that we did reading with the pros a group of sixth graders because at my elementary school it went up to sixth grade but a group of sixth graders had to miss because they had to do that deal that day. They had something that they had to say. They couldn't come to the assembly. And so when I was done reading with the pros, they asked me, hey, they're done with their program they have going on. Can you come talk to these group of kids? Of course. So I go around and I'm talking to them. And so I've asked them, so how many of you kids have been here since kindergarten? And probably sixty percent of the hands went up. And then how many of you how many years have you known me to come back here and kids was like four years five years and having conversations with that group of kids like 20 20 or so students I was fully confident that they were going to go to middle school next year and they were going to eventually go to high school and these kids were going to be just great citizens because if they were my kids I'd be like proud of them Uh, you know what I mean yeah yep and so for me to be around them since they were little like yeah great See their growth. See, see their growth throughout that entire yeah. time. and seems like they're gonna leave this place and go to it. And I remember what it was like to be in that elementary school and mm-hmm. going for that. And it's a change. Like yeah. middle school life is different, junior high life is different than elementary school. A lot of your eyes get open, like, wow, there's a <laughs> lot more, a lot more pitfalls, a lot more traps, and a lot more temptations and opportunities to make bad decisions when you get to middle school and i was just fully confident in a lot of things that are going on And by now i'm pretty sure that class they're probably sophomores in high school now it makes me feel a little old Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but now, i mean just those interactions are, are awesome man those those memories um especially at wallace elementary which is my elementary school that's 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 always been awesome to be
0: able to do yeah that's got to be cool to go back to your own school and do that uh because i i definitely see the impact and how how it affected me uh, doing a reading with the pros. So I can definitely see how that would feel going to your own school and doing that. So.
1: And then then also been able to have some of my readers go back to their elementary schools.
0: Oh, nice.
1: I don't know if you were there at this school, but we had, we had one of the guys from Frost Bank, um, Hmm. Charlie's. Charlie's, Frost Bank is one of our, our sponsors uh, this year and He's one of the the higher ups at Frost Bank, and so he was able to go back to his old elementary school here in Houston, and you could see it on his face. (laughs) He was just like, almost like I made it.
0: You know, the feeling like
1: somebody is—you know—he's—he's a successful guy, family, all that type of stuff. But I had the opportunity to go read to kids at my old elementary school as a part of the program and to see, and I, I knew that I could see that feeling on his face. <laughs> it was almost like that same feeling I get when kids say certain things or or you know that they kind of had that aha moment. And just to be able to share that experience with other people. And he's not the only one I've had various readers throughout the years. My my brother and his friends, we went back to his elementary school and read in Dallas and did reading with the pros. And so just um, to be able to do that, a lot of my former teammates in high school Know, going back to their 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 old elementary schools and the way that the teachers react they see them come back into the building because some of the teachers are still there um i mean teachers are awesome man teachers teachers are they they see the progression and see kids come and go all the time but to have them come back
0: yeah you gotta love it yeah <laughs> Well, all right, so we're at the end of the interview, and I want to ask these quick hitter questions for fun for, you, for people okay. to get to know you a little bit better. But before we do that, two things. One, I want to find out how it felt when you scored that touchdown. Offensive linemen scoring that touchdown. I want to find out, like, from you, how did it all happen, and how did that feel? Oh, it, it, felt, it
1: felt amazing. <laughs> I, and, and I wish I would have kept the ball. But I didn't keep the ball. I was so excited about it <laughs> that, you know, I just – I spiked the ball. And that same spike picture is the one that I use when I do reading corner dedication. So, I did – even though I didn't keep the ball, there is a picture that got used for years and years to come. So, that was cool. That but, sense. yeah, one of my teammates was running the ball. I won't say his name. You can look <laughs> it up. Yeah, not But he was running the ball. He got hit. He fumbled. And I ran – and the ball bounced into the end zone. I'm running, and I, I out-raced and beat Hall of Famer Ed Reed for the ball. So there's a picture of me diving for the ball, and you can see Ed diving for the ball at the same time, but I came up with it. But it was a cool feeling, man, because as I dove on the ball, everybody else that they dove on top of me. It was like yeah. a big dog. And I'm holding on to the ball, and people are trying to pull it out, pull it out. And I could feel my, my teammate, Dwayne Brown, He's with the Seahawks now, but Dwayne, he's hitting me on my back like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like pulling me trying to get me up. So I'm like, all right, good. I'm good. I can stand up now. And and then all my teammates around me and pushing, you know, and I just spiked the ball. But the crazy part was I'm from Dallas. And so dudes from Dallas are known for dancing. Known for dancing right. And so at that time, this was 2011. The D-Town Boogie, the Dougie, all these dances were like very prevalent around that time.
0: Yeah.
1: I told myself every score touchdown, I was going to do some type of dance, some type right. of soccer. And I just did a basic spike. Uh, it, was, it, it, was, it was it was like a Gronk spike before Gronk, because Gronk wasn't in the league yet, I don't think. I don't think he was in the league yet. If he was, he wasn't Gronk yet. Right. But I just did a basic spike and and went on with it. And we ended losing that game so I was, a little, I was a little disappointed we lost the game it was playing against the Ravens on the road but that was a good year man 2011 that was the best team that I was on with the Houston Texans mm-hmm. man we, we were good enough to win a Super Bowl we just had too many key injuries yet you know Andre Johnson I think played like seven or eight games that year Mario Williams played six games and then was out for the season and um, Matt Schaub played the first 10 games and was out for the season yeah we had too many communities. That team was the most talented I was on, had the best chemistry, had the best next man up mentality. Like a lot of those guys that I named that missed time. There was guys that stepped up in their place and, yeah. and we still in a position to, to win a bunch of ballgames that year. Won the first championship in, in the franchise's history and won the first playoff game. So a lot of milestones and accomplishments had in that season, but also I am the answer of a trivia question, the only offensive lineman to score a touchdown in history, or at least I'm the first offensive lineman to score a touchdown in the history of the Houston Texans.
0: Nice. Love it. Love it. <laughs> and before we get to these score hitter questions, anything else you want to add or anything I think I might've missed asking you?
1: Um, not really, man. I think, I think we're pretty in depth about kind of everything that's going on with the foundation. Like I said, we're looking forward to this upcoming fall in winter, just hoping that we're going to be able to get back into the classrooms. But safety is first and foremost, and yep. we'll figure out a way around it. Um, but we'll be able to offer Zoom calls with the schools. We'll be able to offer either Microsoft Teams, just part of their part of their reading programs or part of the programs they have at the elementary schools now, continuing to get ready to, to plan for. So the, the thing about our events that we do, a lot of them are in person, yeah so trying to figure out ways to activate and, and be with the youth although you know you got to practice social distancing we just got to get that vaccine man so we can get back yeah, to them
0: definitely <laughs> all right so let's get to these first question what's your favorite sports team uh, <laughs> i'm
1: gonna i'm gonna say this is tough i got my Houston Texans of course but I'll say my favorite sports team is, is the Dallas Mavericks.
0: Okay. All right. Favorite movie or show? Oh,
1: that's a great question. I'm going to give you both. So yeah. favorite movie, and I have there's a lot of great movies, but I, I'll say my favorite movie, I'll say The Godfather is my favorite, favorite movie. And then I'll say my favorite show is The Wire.
0: Oh, yeah. Yep. The best shows ever. Favorite musical artist or group?
1: Uh, favorite artist would be Nas. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'll just I just stick with Nas. He's the greatest of all time. Yep. All
0: right. Favorite vacation spot?
1: Cabo. We're unable to go this year because of the coronavirus. But that is our vacation spot for the Smith family. Go there every year. weren't able to go this year, but it's it's a, always a good week that we get to relax in. You know, enjoy a lot of sun, a lot of pool, um, parasailing, all kind of stuff. But I would say Cabo, yeah. All
0: right. And favorite food or drink?
1: Uh, favorite food. There's so many different things that I, I'm, I'm a connoisseur of food. I really enjoy the food. But I've never tasted a bad Chilean sea bass. Yeah. You yeah. Sea bass that, like Any place that's worth the salt, it tastes amazing. It's, it's like... Very soft, very light, very flavorful Chilean sea bass. I'm going to be bougie on here and just say
0: that. (laughs) It's okay, man. Chilean sea bass is great. So, all right, man. So first of all, thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for coming on to the show. And not only that, just thanks for everything you do, man, in the community. All the impact that you've had on all these kids like uh, we talked about it is unbelievable. So uh, thanks for everything you do. Thanks for coming on. And a couple things, I guess you want to tell people how they can reach you. I know you're on this Smitty and Trap show. You have books that you've written. You want to tell people how they can get these books, how to get to your show and ways that they can uh, find out about the Waysmith organization and reach out mm-hmm. to you.
1: So you can go to uh, wadesmithfoundation.org mm-hmm. and go on there and, and look at all the different things that we've done over the years, the various programs. We'll have pictures in there, uh, in the photo gallery, different videos. We'll have information about all our, our various programs that we that we have. And you can, you can go there if you want to donate. You can, there's tools there that you can use to donate if you want to volunteer. There's volunteer applications that you can go there to, to fill out. If you're a business owner or a business person that wants to partner or, or to be part of the Waysmith Foundation, um, there's opportunities there that you can sign up for as well. So to, to find out that information, you can go there. I'll also, you mentioned the Smitty and Trap show. I do radio here in Houston on Sports Radio 610. And so I'm on there. It kind of varies. I'm, I'm, I'm part-time doing stuff uh, on that station, but also myself and Travis Johnson who's a former Houston Texans first-round draft pick. Um, We're actually born on the same day, but we're never teammates. (laughs) Born on the same day, a year apart, uh, but been good friends since like 2010, I believe. And so we have a a podcast that we do together. or We we were doing a show together on a consistent basis once a week before the pandemic hit. But once the pandemic hit, a lot of the hours got shut down or or slowed down at the radio station. So once we get back to normal again, you'll hear us. Normal, you know, FCC airwaves. But if you want to hear us, you know, kind of raw and uncut, uh, you can go to. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Smitty and Trap Show. You can find us there, um, and I have our various shows there. And um, I think I, I think I hit everything. But the yeah, and gonna, the books, and the books, yeah. yeah. So you can get Smitty hits the playbooks and Smitty tackles bullying. Two children's books that I've I've written. Been able to read my own book at various other schools, been able. That's another cool thing that I, f- I forgot to mention earlier. So my first book that I wrote about, that I wrote was Smitty Hits the Playbooks. And in that book, the teacher in there was Mrs. Hart. So that was in real life, Mrs. Hart was my first grade teacher. And so to me, she was one of the most influential teachers that I had. If not the. she was the most influential, influential teacher that I had. And so I wrote about her in my first book. Well, for my birthday, I believe in two thousand and maybe 16, 17, somewhere around there. And I was able to meet her and have a conversation with her. And when I saw her, I didn't recognize who she was because, mind you, I hadn't seen her since the first grade. And first grade, Wade, mine, and, you know, thirty-five, 36, 37-year-old Wade, I, I didn't recognize who, was, who she was. But as soon as she said, hey, Wade, how are you doing? The voice was exactly the oh, voice. Wow. Of and I'm like, wow, Mrs. Hart. Like, that was a... That was an amazing deal that I was able to reconnect her and tell her how important, how much of an influence she was on my life and that I wrote a book and included her in it because of that. But I've been able to write a couple of children's books. And like I said, I went to Wallace Elementary. There's little Easter eggs throughout that book that if you went to Wallace, you'll see stuff on the wall in the classrooms and stuff like that that reminds you of Wallace and just that neighborhood, that area that I grew up in. But yeah, those two children's books are available for sale on WaysmithsFoundation.org as well. All the proceeds go to wasteman's Foundation. And so it's been really cool to be able to to have book signing events and for those two books and to be able to donate, sell those books to schools, reward books like that to reading contest school winners, and then autograph books for that. And if you want to purchase a book, you can go online, order it, and you can get them personalized. So I can, if it's for your your nephew that you want to give a birthday present for, you know, I can autograph it and say, you know, to to your nephew, you know, best wishes and keep reading, stuff like that. But yeah, it's been cool to be able to write those two books and they're available on wadesmithfoundation.org.
0: Nice. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Wade. Um, Have a good one.
1: All right, you too, man. Good All talking right. to you. I appreciate you, man. It's a cool thing you got going on here, RJ.
0: Hey, thanks. I appreciate that. Appreciate the All words. Right, All right. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be in the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.